You're listening to Right at the Fork, and this is Chris Angelus. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about something that's been in the news lately, food cart pods that are closing. And in particular, we're going to, uh, we have Dustin Knox here, who owns uh, Pereira Crepery, which is down in Cartopia, and he's going to be one of the people affected. Um, Dustin has also uh, owned Central. He put that together, and he's going to talk about that today. Kind of an interesting story on how someone puts together a, a really cool bar, uh, or as it was called, speakeasy, on a shoestring budget and what happens with it. And he's also uh, done some traveling uh, recently, which we'll talk about as well. Um, he's a good talker, uh, as you'll see, and uh, enjoyed the conversation and certainly check back to see where he's going to be outside of Cartopia uh, at any time after he has to make some decisions. So this is Dustin Knox. So I, un, under that hat, is that is the hair you sent me still sticking up, or is that is that just a way of covering it? You know, you can leave the hat on. Oh, with the yeah, I've tried that. Well, you got to wear a different kind of hat. That's all for this. How does that sound? Perfect. Good. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. I enjoyed your uh, your exploits via Facebook for a few months. That was a lot of fun. What was the impetus for that trip that you took? And by the way, let's just where did, where did you go? Uh, a lot, everywhere. I know, but, um, but I know, but you know, um, talk a little bit about it was the Southwest in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I, uh, I left here, um, made my way through Salt Lake City. Uh, I was in Moab for about ten days, two about a week and a half, mm-hmm. and then it started getting cold, so I decided to shoot down to Sedona. Got cold there, and then decided to go to Arizona, and then. Uh, well, you're already in Arizona and Sedona. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, and then I kept. But going, you went further south. Yeah, I was going east and south, and right. then. Um, all the way over to Marfa, thinking that it would be warm in Marfa, Texas. And by the time I got there, I was in the middle of an ice storm. Really? I, I once drove through Texas in, uh, I'm not even going to say, maybe I, I won't even say the decade, but <laughs> it was snowing and icing all the way through Texas it and gets, in New Orleans. It gets cold. It does yeah. get cold. It's rare. But I, I, got, I had to live in the back of my truck for about eight days, seven days in the snow. Wow, and I met some friends there. Were you regretting that? No, f- no. You, you were enjoying it the um, whole time. Y- yes, and I was. You know, my hair literally one night froze to my pillow, and that was the hardest night. Um, but yeah, I met so many great people. I actually ended up working in a rest a bar of kind of working on some programs for them. And, and how did you find these people? It's a small town. So you just walked in, said, "This is what I do," and let me work on your let me work on your craft cocktail program. No, it was, it was more bizarre than that. Um, it was an ice storm, so all the power went out, and I was at the local uh, bar. Um, it was kind of a saloon, dead horse saloon. Wonderful place, wonderful place. An actor owns it. And uh, the whole town full of like 26 to 30-year-olds that are all artists kind of conjugated on the only space that had heat. So we're all drinking beer, and I wanted brunch, so we decided to check out this restaurant. I look at the back bar on the restaurant. I said, who? It was just technically perfect. It was minimal and it had everything you really needed to make any good drink. Mm-hmm. It ended up being like the editor. The guy in the program had been the editor of Food and Wine magazine or something. Or it was some. And this is in Marfa, Texas. Texas. Yeah. And why have I heard of Marfa? There's something that was in the news. Marfa, Texas is a community of artists. That, you know, is that where the Prada yeah, I know. Yes, that. of course. The Prada thing. I saw it on sixty Minutes. I guess movies throughout something. the years. And there's been several reasons. Right. I mean, uh, Lou Reed played a show there. There was tons and tons of stuff. Uh, Constantly, artists are coming through to this day. When I was there, you saw and right. Okay. Well, that's cool. So that was a definite destination when you were. Yeah. When you left Portland, you knew you were going to head that way. Well, I was going. To, uh, my my main target was to be in Austin for Thanksgiving. Okay. Which I made it by about two days. And then head back for New Year's to L.A. and went through Santa Fe and Grand Canyon. So what went on in the bar? Yeah, I, I interrupted you. What oh, was it? it was wonderful. Oh, oh, um, the other bar. I ended up just a, uh, you know, the, the bartenders didn't really understand what to do with their 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 what they had. 
And so and their, their cold draft machine was broken. They didn't know how to fix it. And then one day I ended up going through and kind of, I couldn't fully fix the cold draft machine, but they got a person there that could. But I ended up re, re kind of setting up their programs and taught them some technique stuff. And the owner who owned like three restaurants in New York was all, you know, I kept getting free meals there at night and the staff. That's very cool. You know, I've set out on two adventures like that around the country, and you never know what's going to happen. You just you hope that so- cool things happen along the way, and they kind of do. Because yeah. if you make yourself available and you talk to people, that's yeah. what it takes. Or, or I, car problems, those those help. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that was more Baja. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, you had car problems in the Baja? Well, I, uh, I, dripped, I dropped my trailer and my truck off in, um, in the northern Baja, right over the border, and ended up riding about 3,000 miles uh, on a, oops, sorry, off through a dirt bike. Um, that's my physical therapy alarm. Oh. Which I have to do every two yeah, hours. Yeah, you can turn off your phone, but you can't turn off your physical therapy alarm. Actually, Are you going to do it right now? No. Uh, actually, maybe. Okay, you can do it. <laughs> no, Just, it's, I'll it's know what you're doing. You said before when you raise your wrist <laughs> to people, it's a little alarming. There was a there was a, a staff meeting going on at Alpha over here, and you walked in and raised your... <laughs> they all turned around. Yeah, yeah that's pretty funny. <laughs> they were a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I might be, too. So... Um, and then you had a, that's what happened. You had a little accident on no, your bike. No, 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 no. It, it's hilarious. After, you know, doing Baja solo with no support and doing another couple thousand miles through California, um, I was home. I, I got home for about less oh, than here. a week. Less than a week, I was home. I bought a bicycle. I wanted to work on more trials technique on a bicycle, so I bought a trials <laughs> bike, put hydraulic brakes on it, made it. Maybe eight blocks from the store. That's well. That's the old thing. The the, the um, you're more likely to have an accident within a half mile of your home than you were. And here you went all over the place doing dangerous stuff, and you made it back here. Well, I think largely just not knowing my equipment. I just purchased it, and I'd been on a 400 pound dirt bike. You know, with the expectation, and you step on the brakes, it it it's, takes that weight and transfers it to the front wheel, and it holds itself down. Versus a 15-pound or 10-pound bicycle, wow. which is just like a mouse trap, just threw me down. Wow! Look down at my. So you're in a little, you're in a little, got a little pro- problem with your right hand for a while. I pulled. We just pulled out the pins. I had three pins uh, that were holding all of my um, carpal bones together. I uh, have only one that wasn't disconnected or cracked, and then um, I have a uh, plate on my bone right here i forget what it's called but the bone that was the inner bone where your hits your wrist that kind of sheared off so i have screws pins so so you're not actually work you you i have never seen you in the food cart actually making crepes i haven't this year but i have many times no i'm sure you have in the past but i haven't so you're obviously it's not necessary that you're there because you took six months and no no yeah winter time we we kind of it's only one or two people it goes really easy were you able to get away and not have calls? Or there, there are obviously problems. Um, yeah, there are phone calls, but I've, I've been really lucky this year to have really great manager um, who's just young and eager, and um, you know she'd be freaking out, and I'd say, "Hey, pretend you're me. You can just figure these things out. You really can. It may not be the perfect way, but you'll get there. And that's the fastest way to learn and become proficient." Mm-hmm. And uh, she did. She, just, so- she did. So how did you learn? You were in construction, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you you sent us a bio, and the bio said I went from construction and I got into the food business by opening a food cart. So what was your food background, and what made you want to open that cart? Um, which is a really popular cart. It's one of the it's one of the mainstays of the Portland food scene. It's one that you would mention to most people, and they would know which cart it is. Yeah, I'm lucky. That's good. So. So how did you talk a little bit about how you got going in that and what the what food cart, the state of food carts was when you started it? How long ago was that? Six years ago. So you were on the, that was on the front end. It was not the front end. Um, but I live next to the cart pod on 12th and Hawthorne, and I watched a friend of mine, Mike McKinnon, open Potato Champion um, around my birthday. It was in May or April. And, um, you know, I, I, I liked the way he was approaching it, he was trying to get away from a restaurant system. He, went, he wanted late night. He wanted a party. He wanted a bands. And I, I, I kind of was 
into what he was wanting to do. Was he the only one on the pod then? Um, no, but certainly out of that new food revolution that kind of happened over the course of the last six years, he made it cool. And I saw what he wanted to do. Mind you, at the same time, there were like 15 cars in the middle of the parking lot. And no, he had some, some um, stumps that he used for uh, seats, which was beautiful, but people got sap on their butts, you know, and didn't really work out. <laughs> but I, I, maybe maybe they didn't know where it came from by the time they got home. So. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> it's funny. Um, ended up uh, just kind of seeing an opportunity. I always wanted to build a restaurant, design a restaurant. I, I, I enjoy space and how you approach space, um, how I identified a space. So I, I saw an outsource, outside space that I could kind of mold. And... Um, I kind of came in with my idea of getting rid of all the parked cars in the middle of a parking lot. And uh, I chose crepes to kind of go with that because I, I thought it was kind of a traditional street food for, for European food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty versatile. You can do it's it. It's very versatile. And I saw a lot of people were kind of just hamming it up with one thing, but really not paying attention to, to the great ingredients we have around here, which I'm barely touching on the real ingredients that happen in Pacific Northwest. Um, but I was able to kind of touch on that type of a street food and I enjoyed the show of it and I enjoyed the technique. Um, but I, I had to learn a year before I did the crepe cart. I mean, I, you asked me what my food experience was and I was a dishwasher at IHOP uh, when I was like 19. <laughs> but you didn't include that in the bio. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> um, that I was a bellhop at a resort for, um, so when you were there at IHOP, did you say, did you go in the into the kitchen and say, you know what, you guys should should thin this shit out. It's going to be a lot better <laughs> if it's a lot thinner. Um, if you said anything like that, they just threw a knife at you. <laughs> it was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It wasn't the nicest place to oh, that's IHOP. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that actually could be a Gus Van Sant movie uh, uh, around that. Uh, Probably is that we don't know about. Um, I bet you it comes from this, this meeting. It <laughs> happened. Well, um, so... Uh, based on what you're saying, it sounds to me as though, you know, Cartopia was the first food cart pod in N- Portland. No, was it, it uh, wasn't. No, 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 no. We already had the downtown stuff. Everybody had the pod. Oh, that themselves. was already going on. Right. But that was the first one that I remember hearing about that there was a pod, I, probably because of the late night. We were the first on the east side. Right. Um, You notice over the course of the last five years, there were tents and food carts and full square blocks taken up by these things. Mm -hmm. We created that model. Um, The thing that we really... Yeah, there's no other pod where it's all self-contained. I mean, when you go downtown, Mm -hmm. there's a parking lot in the middle. There were a lot. There are a lot more, but not like how we approached it. Exactly. That was the first one that was really a self-contained pod carnival-like atmosphere. We had seating. I mean, that was right. the big that, thing. Seating, I guess that's the key. I, I, and, he, and eventually heat. Well, sometimes, if we have propane or not. Um, but yeah, we. I mean, I, I actually showed up. I built those tables myself, uh, I think 14 of them, and I showed up on a flatbed, and you know, not all the food carts in that pod were happy with me. Um, they could understand why we wanted to get rid of parking. Why would we want seating? And it wasn't very much long after we had two or 300 people sitting down at all. You had to explain that to others, that seating would kind of help your business? We, we, we won't go too far into this. Uh, no, please. Let's go, <laughs> let's go too far into this. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think that's um, people kind of live with what they see and they like to build off of that or stick to that. And I, I, I like to pre- approach it in a way that what it can be. And uh, they saw the value of the parking, which is 10, maybe maybe 10 parking spots at the most. Right. I saw the value of 300 people sitting down. Right. And it's not easy to park around there. No, it's, but it's it's never, not, it never really hindered us that bad. Right. And well, it's not necessarily a driving destination. For people like me, it, it is. But No, you'd be surprised. We, we bring, I mean, people drive from Salem. I'm sure they do, but, it, and it, but it's not an easy... I'm, Oh, it's not, it's not an easy parking deal. I live next door. Right. <laughs> so, And it's <laughs> probably going to get, I understand, I want to get to it, but the, what they're planning on putting up sounds like there's going to be no parking there either, which is going to make things a little more difficult. Well, we've been discussing that. If there's, if there's 30 apartments and that's 30 cars, 
that would be just like the food carts, except for we usually have 60 cars. Well, that's true, but they're going to need overnight space. So we're, we're there. I wanted to get there eventually. So you're not only affected, your business is not only affected by this news we all heard, and you probably heard at the same time, or shortly before everybody else did, but as a resident, you're going to be affected by this. So how did you feel when you first heard it? Um, how, what are you going to do? Tell, tell, tell us what, you're, what the plan is. When, you know, you never know what's really going to happen. Um, and when know. is it supposed to happen? Whenever they told you? We don't know. Uh, I got an email mm, uh, about five days ago, six days ago, saying that the sale is uh, happening. All contingencies have been taken away. So the sale's happening. It's not pending anymore. Right. Uh, we don't know when they're going to okay the permits. That's up to the city. So you've got longer than some of those other pods where they said one more month. And you're... Yeah, we have at least... Well, we have year leases. We're, oh. we're special. We're, we, are, we are lucky, should I say. Oh, so you have a year. Well, no. We, did... we had a year as of October, so we have it up until October. Uh, okay. And that we might even get a little further. We don't know. It's going right. to happen. Um, personally, I, um, I see opportunity. I'm, I don't, I'm not up in arms. I see a small town that is going through growing pains. New York's gone through the same thing. Of course, it's a bigger city, but Seattle, Portland needs to grow on some level. You know, you go back and look at politics, go back 10 years, we were talking about the urban growth boundary, and we wanted to stop killing our farms. Now we stopped doing that, and that was a success. You know, Beaverton quit growing. Now people are upset we're growing up. We have to do that. Uh, Portland is growing. You can't I, stop. I it. think we all want to be in a place that that uh, that naturally grows because it's it's an attractive place to be. Yeah, if it, better than attrition, I think. It, it's trying to find balance. Um, you know, we don't. You know, look at San Francisco for instance, and I don't like San Francisco. It's my favorite city in the world after Barcelona. And wow, those I, are two of mine too. I just spent two weeks there, and I tell you what. My hometown's L.A. I don't want to be anywhere near San Francisco. And, it, and why? Um, I, there's great people there. There are great artists. There's great food there. It's just it was so, so um, dense with tasteless money. Um, it was so hard to do anything. And it just all of its charms and beauty with art scene and, and, and creative culture was stomped out. You couldn't barely get it anymore in Oakland. And that's, that's, again, that balance is gone. Um, and do you think we risk that here in Portland? I mean, it's not going to be tomorrow, but uh, gentrification will do that. Um, you know, I, I think that we're finally going to have to be pushed to where we might actually have neighborhoods and get out of the city center. Portland's still so stuck in the city center, and mm -hmm. that's okay. Look at downtown um, Los Angeles or Oakland. or No, Oakland. Look at... Um, Austin's an example. You know, they go across the uh, other side from downtown, and you have other city centers. I think that's what Portland's doing. It's creating other urban points that are as big or powerful as downtown itself. Um, so, like, what out the the the, the communities in Portland are close, or like I see St. John's, Beaverton, or okay, so you know, fifteen Portland. years from now, St. John's, Foster area. You know, uh, where's Mr. Plywood on Stark? Uh, that little area where where Tanuki. I'm not good at the names of neighborhoods. Tan where Tanuki is. Uh, what Montevilla? Yeah, that area. Okay. I can see those little areas becoming thriving over the next 15 years. But Portland won't be the same. They won't be. It won't be what it was 10 years ago, 10 years from now. And you can't get past that, really. No, well, it's. Cha I've been here 10 years or nine, been, and it's changed quite a bit. Yeah, I was here when they were building the Fox Tower. And Pearl District was dirt. Yeah, I hear lots about what the Pearl District. It was dirt. It was a dump. I mean, literally, it was a dump. So I remember talking to you when uh, Lardo moved in mm -hmm. next door. And, you know, very interesting because I, you know, from the East Coast, there'd be, I know, if I talked to someone who owned a food cart across from that, they'd be, you know, swearing. And But you weren't. You were very casual about it and kind of welcoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're... It seems like you kind of have the same attitude towards, okay, we have some change coming here. This pod that I've been in that I you obviously must love hmm. uh, helped build, helped establish. You're, you're feeling okay with it. You're a pretty laid-back guy. Mm, no. 
No, I mean you're not laid back. You've been reading wrong sources. Well, I, don't, I haven't been reading. <laughs> just I'm, I'm reading you from when we've you know I've had a few discussions with you and they've all been nice. But I actually was standing there when they were pounding nails at Lardo and saying, and I said, "What do you think?" I, I uh, you know, I, I welcome uh, I welcome people being creative and growing communities. You know, I just, I'm kind of frustrated on the world of like. Um, my favorite sandwiches, uh, the breakfast sandwich at Bunk, and uh, meat, cheese, and bread. Every single time I go there, we'll do something else that is wonderful. And the space isn't incredibly designed, and it, it isn't. It's kind of skate culture. It feels like a bunch of skate punks made some really, really good food. We're tired of working for somebody else, but they don't throw, you know, twenty or fifteen thousand dollars a year into their PR um, budget. No, and that's you know that's. I good food should not be ignored because someone just doesn't want to line the pockets of PR agencies, and that's what's driving me crazy in a small little town. Yeah, and I, but I think a lot. I'm not saying that with Lardo. I don't know, but it, it does. You know, the whole it, it gets confusing to the customer base of what is good food. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think I think this is a town, and I I rely on this largely with what I'm doing, Portland Food Adventures, where you can. You can get by with a word of mouth, yes. but also social media. You don't. Some of the larger restaurants that obviously need to feed the feed the machine, they have to have some outside PR. But the smaller guys, like Meat Cheese Bread, um, they do wonderfully because they have they just have a or an organically fantastic reputation, and their food is also. I was in there the other day and had a turkey sandwich. That's a good one, yeah. And it's the basic turkey sandwich, basically. And you look at it and you go, yeah, but that, that to me is, and it was, uh, took it home and it was just, I was going to have half and I had to do the whole thing. They just really, 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 really dial in on ingredients. They really pay attention. John does a really, really good job. Um, You know, staff go in and out. There's a good example of not always the best execution. But you walk in there and you have... Oh, there's the the front front end manager of Les Pigeon. There's this guy. There's this bartender, and you realize that the customer base there is the industry industry. Uh, uh, sorry, well, industry insiders mm-hmm. who really love food that aren't being drugged through the PR machine. They're just going to what's good. Well, there are some I can name the places now because after having talked to chefs and getting their lists of favorite places, there's probably twenty. That are only that you don't read about too much in in Eater, but are only mentioned by the chefs. Dew's Grill was yeah, just uh, yeah. I, I haven't been there, and Kier Wine Bar. Every chef used to mention oh, Kier Wine Bar, oh. and then you go over there. Oh, yeah, Kier was wonderful. Yeah. So um, and meat cheese bread yeah. is one of those. I just was in there the other day to pick up some gift certificates for uh, for Will Price's mm-hmm. for our Holdfast thing, and that's. Interesting that that whole scene is going on now. So many pop-up dinners yeah. uh, that aren't attached to, and they make their own PR machine. They become, they become something in a, unto them, themselves. Yeah, it, it's it, it is cool. I mean, I, I'm I feel like I was being a little negative towards. I just feel like when you get that good and you pull in that many numbers and you you try to back it up with at least good service. And try to execute it, you know, in a way, and it just. So, but what I was trying, what I was really getting at, and that's fine. I asked you the question, but um, how is that? How did Lardo affect the the pod across the street? We have different. Did it help it? Because it might have brought more people into the neighborhood. I bet it did both. I bet it did both. Um, here's what they have: they have accommodations. We don't have accommodations. We don't have beer and wine. We we don't have uh, the the design that they have um all of our uh, equipment like our water is all outside it's just that you know sometimes they're blowing up and we're dead sometimes we're blowing up and they're dead um rising waters you know i think it just floats the ships and you know again i'm i'm not critical of them being my neighbor i'm critical of them uh, based off a of technique and just the workmanship of the work you know and, and that's it I, I love them as a neighbor yeah, and you also, I guess, uh, I almost have to, uh, I, I have to claim conflict of interest here because Rick's a good friend of mine. So, but you have to respect he came from 
where you are, the, a yeah, cart. absolutely. And was doing that. And I'm telling you, I hung around a few carts. That man made sure two hours after everybody else from that the Good Food Here pod was gone, lights off, mm-hmm. he was scrubbing every night making sure that place was clean. I, and I had his work when he was downtown, and, and it was different work. And that, that's kind of the biggest thing. And again, I know from my experience, I'm sure that he's not the only person stirring the pot. And that's going to change how Well, of his, course, when you got more, you got investors. And, and, that, and that's, that's and a lot of thing. employees. It's a little harder. You've got, you know, you're in a cart, you got one or two. and Change everything. One, one employee, I mean, you could have your chef pay him all the money in the world. He could hit everything perfectly. You have the best bartenders. You could put all your money into the best ingredients. But you can have one person, one person going down the line destroy a very important person's uh, experience. Yep. And, and that's 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 interesting horrible. how that we, court and I were just talking about that this morning. Um, so uh, I I this is I don't know if I'm uh, violating your privacy, but I'm just curious because I think I, can you make money? Can you make a living having one food cart? Uh, make money? Well, um, I mean, can you can someone make if you do it right? Yeah, yeah, you can. You do it right, absolutely. And so, what does doing it right? mean? What do you have to do to do it right? I mean, just, just like anything else, balancing uh, productivity with costs. Um, you know, Nong, Nong's Coleman guy is a great example. She didn't need to open a commissary, but she, she in her cart, she did such a good job she was able to. And it's kind of the next level is to get out of the rain. I would say yes is perfect. But if can we 700 did, food carts make make is there room for all of them or six, five, whatever the number is? I think now that, you mentioned I think right now a really successful food cart. Yours is six. Yours is on the map, but not everybody's on the map. You can walk around. And say, not everybody's going to be on the map. No, and then some people will just toil away, and then that's you know, and that's to them success is like be feed themselves. They work sixty hours a week. They have an employee or two doing prep, and that's success. Um, for me, I'm I'm more interested in working six to seven months out of the year and then working on new projects or traveling and that food you know, one of my favorite food carts in portland hands down as wolf and bears uh those two owners uh have done a great job but you know they they worked their butts off uh nine months out of the year and to say goodbye for the other three that's the model we work towards and i think that's it does allow you to do that and have you uh so when you opened central that was out of passion and this is the project I want to do, not necessarily a financial, hopefully a financial new move, but it wasn't, was it because, hey, this food cart, I need something else on top of it or how? Well, I, I you know, I, I, I actually, we had that huge buzz in the beginning and I saw an opportunity to build on that. Um, Central is a really funny thing for me. It's um, the thing I'm probably most proud of in my life and then one of the things I'm most um, ashamed of. And it's a, it's a, pure duality um wrong location wrong location like the absolute wrong i did everything did right. you think it was the great location when you started because it's a you, I, it's an interesting location and but it was downtown in the middle of all the clubs what's that if it was new york if it was chicago if it was los angeles if it was san francisco if it was seattle if it was many other cities it would have worked but not portland not the way portland really breaks down um, between the social services and the nightclub and uh, a couple of people who own all those bars um, and just kind of with how Portland's growing, wrong location, horrible location. I would have not failed as a human being under all the stress if I would open that where, say, Digapony is. We right. killed it. So, so what was the big problem was, I'm guessing, the parking and then – the the only people that would go there are the people who are already destined for that district no. at night. No, no, okay. no, no. Parking was a problem. No, um, it was the fluxes. We couldn't get anybody there on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We had wonderful Fridays. We do huge Fridays because everybody get off work and want to go there. Saturdays wouldn't start until eleven o'clock at night. Again, That's Barcelona. It is. It is <laughs> totally, totally, except for. We shot to shoot, shot down at two two thirty. Right, instead of going till five. Till five, and again, the people that were in that area wouldn't come in. 
people were walking in from the Pearl. People were, I didn't understand what, I wanted the most beautiful part of Portland to come alive and to get more diversity going on in Old Town. I didn't realize how entrenched that really was. Um, even with closing down the street and doing all that, that, that work, it just made it worse. It was a bizarre, bizarre bar, bizarre situation. So how long did you carry it on after you realized, yeah, this just isn't. I, 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 mean, I think we realized it within uh, about nine months. And, and then how long was it open? Two years. Two, two, two. Oh, so you went a year just thinking you could fix it? Yeah. That's or what, that's or that it would take care of itself? It would write itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it just diminished and diminished and diminished. And then I personally became just so frustrated and exhausted. And I made some poor choices along the way, um, which kind of just, I mean, I had a healthy bank account to being nearly bankrupt. And it was over a restaurant. And the food cart still pumped along. And it, that food cart, financed central. I knew it was going to be that way. Like I knew originally it was supposed to be two creperies and a passion project for me to learn about cocktails. And uh, if I was stuck to that model in some way, um, it would have stayed there. But uh, I should have never played the crepes in the first place in central. It should have been two different entities. But I didn't have, people don't realize. But that's what you knew too. So you think I'm doing something well, I'll yeah. Take that over here, or there'll be some equity in that. That, that, that would have been fine. That would have, and that, that actually should have been that way. I should have never put them on a plate. It should have been, I didn't have money. Everybody thought I was a speakeasy. They didn't realize I didn't have money for silverware when I opened. I pushed myself with no financiers, no experience to the very brink, and I kept it right there for two years. Just insanity. Um, that was hard. That was very, very hard. It challenged me as a human being. So you had no financial backing? No. No, so how did that. you, I'm curious, how did you uh, go a year when you realized it's not working? Uh, how I, do you keep a restaurant going when it's, it's in the red? I pushed harder. And that, and that may have been a bad choice. I always believed that if I, if I kept all of my eggs in, in, the, in the quality basket, sooner or later someone would break it. And by the way, I bet you you were clouded by the fact that the, the food community supported you. Central was another one that chefs would mention to me that is an awesome place that if you haven't been, you should go. Yeah. Again, location. You can't live. It's not a good business. You can't live on weekends. You, you literally, I tell any restaurant, a new restaurant tour or a new manager, you judge a business not by its, by its Fridays and Saturdays. You judge it by its Mondays. How's Monday doing? If Monday is still steaming away, you got a really, really healthy business going. And you've got you you were running two businesses that were that were a function of time. One during the week, and the other one, the food cart in the winter. It's got to be tough to weather through. My I huge huge highs and lows, huge highs and lows. And then in the summer you do okay. In the winter it was just bleakness. And that was you know of course at the same time when everybody Christmas shopping the bills go up. And um, so how do you get through that as a food cart? Owner, because that's what I've heard is the is the tough, tough part. Is I, I'm lucky, and sitting there too. You're sitting there in the rain and waiting for people to come by. That's not pleasant. That's not only a financial problem. That's an emotional problem. But that's too. called side work. There's <laughs> plenty of it to be done. You can clean like crazy. Always clean it twice. Um, I'm a strong. But that doesn't at- do any good for July. I mean, you got to do it again. July 8th for July 9th. Yeah, yeah, so, it's true. But, but in the wintertime. You can't thank that. Again, I've been lucky. We do slow down, but it's still good enough that where you have one employee or two, it breaks even and pays the bills. And you try to stack it up in the summertime so that, you know, you, you do do what you need to do to get through it. I was thinking about staging some restaurants. Uh, you know, Kevin Gibson's uh, place. I would love to go just be as... You work in his kitchen and just work. And I, I saw you at Double Dragon one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love Rob. I, I love what they do. They do a really good job. So speaking about what you love, where, where else do you, what else do you love in Portland? Where do you? Well, there's so many different. Like to, well, just top 10 list. Top 10 list. Um, and I, by the way, it doesn't have to be the best top 10, but just the first 10 that come to mind of places that you really love. I go, let's go backwards. What I just did over the last 10 days or five days. Yeah, that's perfect. Last night I ate at Oso. Phenomenal. I've heard so many good things about that, and I have not been there yet. Phenomenal. Food, phenomenal. Wine pairings, service, phenomenal. Space, perfect for what they're doing. 
um, wonderful. Um, right before that, I, I went on a date, uh, and I uh, went to a, 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 not Roman Candle, excuse me, Eva Jeans. Joshua McFadden is killing it. I knew he was going to. Um, I know there's so much hype around him. Before there was hype, I was still seeing it. I was pulling my hair out. He's killing it. He really, really is. He's hitting every single mark. It's not just hype. It's wonderful. And he should be paid for doing it really well. So you give him all the credit? There's a, there's a team of people there. Well, not for service, but I mean, right. he's, yeah. So you're, you're he was talking the about bill. the food is... The technical, the work of the food mm-hmm. is just perfect. And if you really want that kind of food, oh my God. And there's so much in, integrity and materials going on in there. And he's, make, he's making it financially viable at the same time. That's, you know, do, no, do an art project and make it financially viable. That's the gift. That, that's really the joy when you can do that. Joshua knows what the hell he's doing. I'm, I'm really proud of him as a friend and as a professional, someone I can look up to. I look at his food and I'm just like, yes. Oh, my God, everything. All four courses plus dessert was perfect. Um, another place I go to, I mean, Tanuki, Janice is wonderful. It, I love, you know. It's not it's not a Japanese restaurant, but whatever. <laughs> like, no, I and as a matter of fact, I've tried to go there a couple of times, and I've had you know the the sign warning me why I can't go there. So <laughs> she needs to have an alternative in the neighborhood. Here's where you should go. No, she doesn't. Yeah, and well, of course she's not going to have that, but I would have liked to have seen that. I, I like Janice's style, and I like where she's coming from, and you know. She's, and there's another one that that. Chefs and and people in the food industry. They're, she's a hellraiser. They appreciate. Yeah, she's a hellraiser, but also her talent is appreciated. Incredible, incredibly talented. And uh, you know, I like her approach. It's not at all American food. It's it's meant to be a little skunky, a little weird. And having been to, to Tokyo for a week, I I appreciate it. Like I really love it. Oh, from there, I mean, it, simple little places like you know, I eat at Robotaco once a week. And That's I, one of my favorites. You know, the, and the food can be off and on. You go back and forth. They're not doing the pastor exactly the way I'd want them to do it. It's not off the spit right in the moment every single time. Uh, but over and over, it's just a fun space to have food, and it's cheap, and it, it's 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 proficient food. Um, again, bunk Tommy. I love what Tommy does. Um, just, just the breakfast sandwich is where I kind of draw. It's good for brunch. Uh, meat, cheese, and bread. Mentioned that already. Jason French, I mean. He's a big fan of yours, too. He's the one who told me to go try that food cart. J- Jason's wonderful. I mean, he really is. It's such a great talent. He's pushed himself really hard for a lot of years, and it hasn't gotten the real, I don't think he's quite gotten the the, the credit he deserves uh, fully. I mean, he's gotten some, but, I mean, I, I, he deserves a lot, a lot of credit. Well, I... Um interviewed him once and the first thing that came to mind when I wrote about Jason was that if we were to choose an ambassador for Portland and to represent Portland to the the country or the world, uh, Jason would be the guy. That's actually, that's I, I agree with that. Yeah. He's such a good personality. He's got that warm smile and incredibly tall and big and wonderful tattoos. And he, 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 he wears Ned Ludd he wears Ned so Ludd. well. And did you see his Elder Hall uh, Kickstarter video? Did you have no? I have not actually. He just—he's a natural. You know, know he you does do. that. He does that so well. So that, and that's going to be interesting to see how Elder Hall does. Yeah, um, I like, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, well, it's Jason. Okay, you've been doing Ned Ludd for a few years, and now this is Jason expanding. Not only I'm going to do a different restaurant. It's not I'm going to do a different restaurant. I want to try this. I just want to do new things. New new th- creative things in the food community and that's um it's cool to see others are doing it too it's going to be really interesting to see how jason i think it's hard put a stamp on it i was t- i was talking to tommy habits and uh, i think it, it, it's hard to be in you know to be a classically trained staff uh chef and which i have so much respect for true chefs i am not a chef nowhere near um but to to have to create a business model and then be stuck and confined by that business model. That's why a lot of uh, restaurants get kind of muddy because they constantly get tired of being in that one little category. Especially but, as a creative person. There's no yeah. chef who isn't a creative person. And I think that's why you're so kind of driven to open different entities that allows you to branch into these parts of you that you don't really get a chance to. You'll muddy the waters of what is working 
if you do that in your space. So you have to, in some ways, create new spaces. So that's good. It's really good for Jason. And Portland allows that because it's a the cost of entry to opening new spaces. I mean, you what you did at Central is a perfect example of that without much I on can, a shoestring. I uh, had a conversation with Ethan Stoll uh, up in Seattle, who's just doing really well up there. And he's a little bit, uh, you know, he looks at Portland with a with a one eye closed because he's just like it doesn't cost anything down there. Everybody can everybody can have fun. I think he's a little he, he takes risks, but it costs a lot of money for him to take risks. Whereas people can take some risks down here, and they're more creative risks, and they cost money, but not millions. Not millions. No, I mean it's not like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, and, and but also we don't have the volume. We don't have the urban density that those cities have. So, you, you know, with that other eye, he's got squinted. He's got to realize what his returns are there versus here. If you hit it right there, you really can. Here, you, you know, you, you see the lines in California. Well, plus it's uh, – there's I, I hate to use the word competition, but, I mean, there's competition for the dollar. There's not enough – there aren't enough people for the number of dining opportunities there are here. There just aren't. Um, Somehow, though, I don't people it. survive. I don't. I don't understand. It's we are so lucky. People from Oregon, I don't re- think really understand how lucky we are. Between the food that we generate, the kind of talent we have running around, and the price we pay, yeah, like one third the cost, half the cost you'd pay in Los Angeles for the same food. It's mind blowing. It's yeah. mind. And I do believe the people from. Portland and Oregon, they may say they appreciate it here, but I don't think they appreciate it from there. They love where they live. But I, having come, having come from a different part of the country, am just in awe. That's why I started what I started. I'm not a sh- anywhere near a chef or cook. I'm not, but I was just so in awe of the food community here. It's really And amazing. what it represents and how different it is than anywhere else that I've seen. That, um, you know, I think coming from outside, you see – Oh my God, look at it. Doesn't I've been here ten, nine years now, mm-hmm. and I pretty well know a lot of places. I haven't been to Oso, and but there's this whole tier of places that I've never stepped foot in. And if you were in uh, another city, of, this is the 22nd largest market. If you were in Pittsburgh, in nine years, you would have covered it all 17 times over. Mm-hmm. You can't do it in Portland. You just can't do it. Not really. And really. look, I mean, it's not like I'm on a diet program here either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I left one restaurant out that is by far been top for the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Um, Le Pigeon. Like Le Pigeon. Um, I, Where's I, that? I've, n- I've never <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that's another place that I, it, it gets tourists. But because he got his big name, he didn't just ditch out. He doesn't stop creating. And he's still there That's every saying. day. He's still behind the – I walked in, tried to get some dessert. It was, I couldn't even get dessert at 9 o'clock at night. Um, he's killing it. And, and I mean that not just financially. I mean that from a integrity and, and from a creative space. He still just loves – even though he's tired. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. Maybe he's tired. We're all tired at times. Well, he's got kids now. Or yeah. a kid. I don't know if the other one mm. – I don't know. I can't remember time wise, but at any rate, but, he's got at least one. But he's he 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 just just keeps his heart in the food, and uh, you know a lot of people kind of fade away. Um, I don't think he's gonna fade away. Do you know Gabriel? Are you? I've friends met him. With? Yeah, we're friends. Uh, we're not close. Um, uh, but you know, I, I I kind of learned everybody from just being on their on their their service side and watching them work. I have, I have a lot of respect for him. There, there's people I have a lot of respect for. Um, he's one of them. I think you know it's not easy work, and to be talented and passionate about it all, and to do what you do with you know it's not Cisco driving up the truck. This is you know, planning every day and working with. I, 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 have, I have the highest respect for. I mean, after owning a restaurant and seeing what cooks go through, what chefs go through, and the time, and they're on salary and. The amount of time they put on and, and how much – I've done construction for years. I've built houses. I've always myself worked 10-hour days. I I think that chefs, working hard chefs, are some of the hardest working people I've ever seen. And I have a lot of respect for our kitchen. I, I agree. People. And in so many ways. And it's not just cooking. 
they're running, you know, they're doing the numbers, they're doing, everything has to be done. It's, it, 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 it's, it's and, and on top of that, they're, they're, they're meeting other cooks and they're right. out on farms. And they're doing events yeah, on top event. of it. Yeah. They're catering and for nothing yeah, yeah. many times, you know, doing charity events. They're staging just for knowledge right. all over the place. And, and then, and then on top of it, here's what I think is just incredible. And I've said this before and someone, probably a lot of people want to slap me, but on top of it, they're all supporting one another. You're here talking about other restaurants. You know, I'm from the New York area. That you couldn't get other people in here without, you know, chips on their shoulders about the other guy. And it's yeah. everybody's very supportive, and I think that's what makes it special. So speaking of everybody being supportive, do you see uh, when Cartopia is no longer there, do you see you have camaraderie with your other, with your Whiffy's Pie friends and your potato champion? you think you might all end up at the same place? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I think there's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that a, a couple of us could do that maybe. So you haven't started talking about it because time goes fast. It's now June. Before you know it, it's going to be August. And then you go, man, it's two months from now. I look at it like, you know, winter's a break even scenario. If I, if I shut down for t- two or three months. Uh, That's not going to, you don't think that'll people get out of the. Actually, no. You make new news when you're somewhere else. It starts all over again. We're, 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 a lot of our customers have told us that they'll follow us wherever we go, which has felt great. I didn't realize how many, how loyal our customer base really was, and I'd like to grow that. I'm seeing the build out as itself as an opportunity, and I want to see what the I need to see the design of the build out again. I'm a design guy. I, I need I want I need to see what that's going to look like before I make my choices. Are they gonna? So they're gonna offer you an opportunity to go the, there would be a natural there's been a there, there's been a umbrella of to everybody but i can imagine i mean the mean mean uh, going out and pot- getting some financing mean, well mean potato champion kind of uh we, we kind of hold up fort there and so i'd imagine that would be kind of offered to us you know out of the group but we'll, we'll have to see i don't know i'm keeping everything on the table so you don't have a specific plan right now it's you're uh, nursing your wrist. You're going to make sure that's okay. And then... I might, uh, I might bring that food cart downtown. I, I, I know that I, that's kind of on my maybe list. It depends on the pod, location, whether I get a corner or not a corner. I don't want to get stuck in a little sliver. Well, you have some time to look. Is it out of the question that you would take that one downtown and then open another one somewhere else? I think that with a, a partner. Again, I would like to grow again. I think, I'd, I, think I would like to also grow my, my team. I would like to have a team. I've done everything by myself from day one, right. and that gets a little exhausting. Well, that's one thing I, we we just spoke with the with the Gorums, and why that they keep opening new restaurants is primarily to grow, let their staff grow, and yeah. have places for them to go. And I think that's wonderful. John, I, John's another one, by the way. I I love what John does. Yeah, I love well, John's it's, work. It's hard, really, to not like what he i mean love what he I, does i can't but, well i mean i love barcelona so it just fits right in with everything and, and i think john just really actually i should mention john john's some of the people that i really look up at well oh, too, sorry. interested to see what's going to happen at uh, uh not what's going to happen but i can't wait to try mediterranean exploration company that's going to be yeah that's going to be fun so quickly because we're we've gone over <laughs> that what we normally do but i, I gotta ask did you go uh, I went. I'll give you the places I went so that I can remember in Barcelona. Okay. Oh. See if you uh, Bar Cañete, which was my favorite spot. I got I got my recommendations from uh, Jose at Ataula. Okay. Who cooked there and with a lot of guys. so Bar Cañete, um, uh, uh, Lolita. Oh, I think I did. Actually. That's a place I think yeah. you would love. That's the, the, the little Ramblas, right? Or the little alleys? no, no. It's over. It's away from. Uh, no, oh, it's, no, it's no, off no. the beaten path. I don't, I don't, I don't. Lolita, try it. It's, yeah. We had such a good time there. Okay. And then we went to, uh, what is it, 24 at the W Hotel. It's the highest end we did. At there, that, that point, I, I didn't want to approach. J- Japan, I approached some places like that. But I approached Barcelona like. Just hang out and go? Give me a bottle of rosé, a bottle of wine. I'm going to wander around and come to these little tables and just eat the little givings they have. Right. And I, I approached it way more. Not like a quote unquote footy, like looked up the research and, and look and see what I didn't do any of that. I just wanted to be someone just wandering through. Well, it's nice to do that. It's nice to not have to do the research sometimes. Yeah. Just let it happen. Yeah. Did I, you I, spend much time at the market? Because there's a place where you could just let it happen. No, I didn't. Oh, no. man. I, was, I couldn't I get there, away from there. I was there for 
four, four or five days. That's about how long I was there. I was not there long enough. Mm. And well, this is also, mind you, um, five years ago. Right. I really myself wasn't deeply entrenched in food like right. I am now. I think you might com- go back with a list. Yeah, I, I would actually. Well, I, I would. Now things are a little different for well, me. Well, g- give me a call or Jose at Atala. And John Gorham gave me a good list too. I imagine he knows John. His, he knows his way around Barcelona. Hopefully next time I do that on a motorcycle. It would be cool to go with him. That would be fun. That would be pretty fun. I, I think, ooh, ooh, pock, pock. Oh. I, I did, yeah, whatever. I, I, my mind is blown every time I eat a pock, pock. Yeah. Once and I just saw all his uh, Anthony Bourdain that, stuff, yeah. which was that, really cool. That's why I thought of, like, if I could travel with anybody, yeah, it that. would be with... It would be with Andy going through Thailand. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks for traveling over here. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for having this me. This was great. That was a fun. fun conversation. Absolutely. Do it again. Let's do it again after you You got, you know, 2015, 2016. Hopefully we're still here. Hopefully you're... Someplace. Yeah, we'll do something. Thanks. Thank you. All right, so we're here with Court. Um, another redhead. We have to have redheads as the, uh, as the in the outros here, but Court... Is our sound engineer and does a marvelous job, but uh, also has had the experience of being in the studio with us for every podcast and becoming very intimate with them, chopping them and posting them. Yeah, and and uh, and Dustin was great today. I thought it was great. It went. This was long. Yeah, we, we, we got to be short this, because that was so long. This may be a record, but yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by this just this this traveling nomad thing this trip he did last year yeah where he just kind of wandered and ended up like helping with people with their bar programs in texas that's that's fascinating to me um you know that and to go to that city where he was in marfa mm-hmm. um yeah i followed him on facebook and he was having a lot of adventures and he, a couple of thrills and spills along the way but when he originally announced he was going to go on a six-month trip i figured that's Going to be one of the better things to follow on Facebook, certainly. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Cartopia. And I find it. I thought it was really cool that he um, takes a little bit of a laid back approach. You know, you might think you'd be a little stressed out that your that your space was being uh, taken away from you. It so- sounds like though he might have an opportunity if it, if it's the right right situation where he actually might be able to stay in that location that would be very cool yeah. he's, he's kind of it sounds like he's kind of expecting that right at least expecting to have the option sure and you know what those folks would be wise i think to build around that because the the irony on this whole situation with food cart pods closing now is they're kind of what made the neighborhoods where they are oh, yeah. and now you're going to take them away so maybe there's a way to blend it and uh, we'll hope that hope that it ha- happens <laughs>